0: In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis spends time talking about what it is Christians believe. And as you can imagine, this is quite an undertaking. And the book itself is made up largely of a collection of radio talks he gave in the 1940s during the Second World War. And if you're familiar with the book or if you've even read it, you know that Lewis covers a variety of topics. Just some of them, for example. He talks about the law. He talks about social morality, sexual morality. He talks about faith and hope. And he also spends some time talking about what we're going to look at today, forgiveness. I want to share with you the opening paragraph of his chapter on forgiveness because, to be perfectly frank, I think that it sets the tone well for what we need to discuss. Lewis writes, I said in a previous chapter, that chastity was the most unpopular of the Christian virtues. But I'm not sure I was right. I believe there is one even more unpopular. It is laid down in the Christian rule, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Because in Christian morals, thy neighbor includes thy enemy. And so we come up against this terrible duty of forgiving our enemies. Then he says, Everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something forgive. So far in our first sermon series of 2021, titled My Golden Resolution, we have talked about two things. In the first week, we talked about understanding. My dad laid the foundation for this series by looking at Matthew 7, verse 12. Jesus is coming to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. My dad said he wants to be understood by other people. And because of this, one of the things that he wants to do is to treat others with understanding. I mean, this is what is at the heart of that verse in Matthew 7. In our first message, he talked about how we need to have humility and empathy and grace if we are going to treat others with understanding. Last week, Matt Pineda, our high school pastor, he spoke about kindness And we want people to be kind. So we, in turn, need to be kind people. He talked about being kind with our thoughts, being kind with our words, and being kind with our actions. This week, as I said, we're looking at forgiveness. And I think that there are two parts to this. One, and I'll say it like this, even though I do believe it applies to all of us. I want to experience forgiveness in my life. I'm sure you're the same way. But two, I also want to be able to forgive others. I want to be a forgiving person. But here's the reality, and you probably already know this. Forgiveness is difficult. In fact, there are probably people listening to this today who would say, forgiveness is not just difficult, it is impossible because of the things that have been done to me. Or worse, the things that have been done to someone that I love. So what I'm going to do in our time together is ask and answer what I think are three basic questions about forgiveness. Three questions. Why, when, and how? Why do we forgive? When do we forgive? And how do we forgive? And I have two goals, two hopes in talking about forgiveness in this sort of question and answer Way One is that honestly you'll be able to remember this message better. You'll be able to take it with you once we're done. That's my first hope. My second hope is that in doing this, forgiveness will seem much more doable in our lives. Especially if you're someone who has struggled to forgive others in the past. We're going to start things off by looking at a passage from Ephesians 4. I'm going to read in just a moment Ephesians 4. Verses 25 through 32. Uh, You can turn there if you want and follow along with me. If you are an honor student with us today, you know that Matt Pineda uh, read Ephesians 4 verse 32 in his sermon last week. But we're not going to go verse by verse through this passage. I just want to use it as a great starting point for everything else that we're going to talk about. So you can follow along as I read Ephesians 4 starting in verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other in Christ, excuse me, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is at the heart of what we're going to look at. And like I said, we're not going to be dissecting this passage. Really, we're not going to do that to any passage today. uh, Because what we're doing is more of a topical, maybe even it's better to say a a practical look at forgiveness. Which is not to say that it isn't based in Scripture, because it certainly is. We're just going to be bouncing around a lot as we try to answer these different questions. And the first one that we're going to spend some time on, as I already said, is simply the question why do we forgive? Why do we do it? Well, my answer to that question would be this We forgive because we have been forgiven. We forgive because we have been forgiven. There are many reasons, many benefits to forgiving others. And I'm going to spend some time talking about a variety of those reasons in our time together. But I really believe that if we are followers of Jesus, this has to be where we start. We have to acknowledge the fact that God is not asking us to do something that he has not already done because if we talk about forgiveness and the ways that it benefits us, but we don't recognize the forgiveness that we have experienced and the forgiveness that God offers, it alters our attitude, our perspective, and, and, and our motives. And honestly, that can be kind of a dangerous thing. The end of Ephesians 4, verse 32 says it clearly enough. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. If we fail to realize what it means to be forgiven. And if we fail to recognize the fact that we have been forgiven, we will not be able to forgive others. I'm sure you've heard the saying, you can't give someone something that you don't have. And this is difficult for many people, even many Christians, to to, to truly comprehend. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we just think of ourselves as such good, moral people. And, you know, I say that a little light-hearted today, but the truth is, many people in church, you know, we don't see ourselves as these horrible, nasty sinners. You know, we can acknowledge the fact that, of course, you know, we're not perfect. But at the same time, you know, we're doing our best, and in a lot of ways, we're really not that bad. We're actually pretty good people. Now, I'm not trying to... Pick on anyone today, but do you remember the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector? These two men go up to the temple to pray and and the Pharisee, he stands out in the open so that everyone can see him and he has this loud, showy prayer reminding God that he tithes and thanking God for all of the things that he's given him and, and done for him. And then the tax collector, he won't even look at heaven but he beats his chest and he just says the words, have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, if we think of ourselves as good moral people, you know, people who have the sense to realize, yeah, we're not perfect, but you know, we're also not that bad. Which one of those two men do we sound like? We must recognize and comprehend what it means to be sinners saved by grace and what our lives would look like were that not true. Because if we don't recognize that, then we're not going to be able to forgive others, not truly anyway. Think of it like this. It's a lot easier to forgive someone something when you have the same struggles that they do. Why? Well, it's because you can relate. You can relate to what they're going through, what they're fighting against, what they're dealing with. There have been at least three times uh, in the recent months that I can remember that I've been driving on the road and I'm either sitting at a a stop sign or a stoplight, and my youngest son, Wyatt, is in the back seat, and uh, we're just sitting there silently, and all of a sudden, he basically screams out, come on, Dad, just go. Well, what does that tell you? I don't know about you. It tells me that he's been riding with his grandfather too much. That's what it tells me. But the truth is, I get frustrated when I drive, you know, just like my father before me. People don't use blinkers. They don't know how stop signs work. And for me, the list goes on and on. But here's the deal. Because of that, if I talk to someone else who gets frustrated when they drive or they talk about how, you know, they're really kind of an angry driver, I have some sympathy for them. I have some compassion on them because I can relate to what they're going through. The problem for us becomes, what do we do when someone does something to us That we can't relate to. What do you do when someone does something to you that you would never do? This is where it gets difficult because, you know, you may be able to forgive someone if they cut you off when they're driving down the road. But what do you do when someone steals something from you? What do you do if you find out that someone at work has been kind of trashing your reputation because they want to get a promotion ahead of you? If we can truly understand what Jesus has done for us, if we can't truly understand, then what will happen more often than not is one of two things. One, we'll say that we forgive them, but it's basically just lip service. You know, we'll say what we're supposed to say because we're pretty decent, pretty good, moral people, but we won't really mean it. Or the second thing is that we'll look at them and we'll say, I would never do that. I can't understand how anyone would do what you did. And we can't relate. And because of that, we can't forgive. And it doesn't take long before you're not just looking at someone and you're not able to relate to them. You're looking down on them because you believe you're better than they are. Do you think that you can forgive someone if you think that you're better than them? I don't know. I don't know that you can. At least not genuinely. Because when we let our pride put us in this place of superiority what happens is that we're not living in reality anymore. Because the reality of life is that when it comes to forgiveness, we are all in this together. We all need to be forgiven. These are some of the most familiar words in the Bible. Paul writes them in Romans 3. He says, There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And when we look at that passage, we typically focus on verse 23, and and I understand that. It's a great verse. But when I was studying and putting all of this together, what really stuck out to me was the way that the sentence begins, what we actually see at the end of verse 22, when he simply says, there is no difference. There's no difference between me and my sin versus someone else and their sin, whether I can relate to that sin or not. What we see when we truly look at ourselves, not compared to people around us, but in contrast to Jesus alone, is, you know what? Yeah, we really are that bad. And I'll say it like this today, because I don't want you to think that I'm standing up here just preaching at you. Yeah, I really am that bad. And unless I have the wherewithal and the humility to understand this then I'll never be able to forgive like Jesus. And I think that's true for all of us. And listen, that can be hard to swallow, but the truth is we'll never be able to forgive like God wants us to until we recognize what it means that we have been forgiven by God. And when we forgive, it gives us this this great chance To show the compassion of Jesus and and the graciousness of Jesus to the world around us. And I just want you to think for a moment do you think that our world would benefit by experiencing some forgiveness, some compassion, some graciousness? I mean, this whole sermon series is built on Jesus' words in Matthew 7, verse 12 Do to others what you would have them do to you. And you know what? I want to be forgiven. I want people to forgive me when I make a mistake. More than that, I want people to forgive me when I choose to do something that I know is wrong. Because here's the reality of life. That's probably going to happen at some point in my future because I'm a sinner. And if I were to guess, that's probably going to happen at some point in your future too. One last verse, and then I'll move on. Another thing we see from the Sermon on the Mount, it's back in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is talking about prayer, and this is how he ends the section on prayer. We read these words, he says, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. I don't know if there's really anything else I need to say about that passage. And that's all I want to talk about for the first question. Why do we forgive? You know, that's the starting point. I think that that's the place we have to start, honestly. And I hope that we're all on the same page when it comes to this because the next two questions that we have to talk about, they can be pretty difficult to deal with. I'll just be honest. So like I said, you know, why do we forgive? We forgive because we've been forgiven. That's number one. Number two, the question is, when do we forgive? When do we forgive? This is what I'll say. We forgive as soon as we can and as many times as we need to. As soon as we can and as often as we need to. And I realize saying that there could be many people who just do not want to hear those words. When we have been hurt emotionally, physically, maybe both, the truth is we're not usually thinking How fast can I forgive the person who's done this to me? Or if we're in a relationship with someone who just seems to be stuck in a cycle of sin and they keep doing the same things over and over and over and we forgive them again and again and again. At some point you just want to throw your arms up and say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. Well, here's the deal. There there are multiple things that I want to talk about as a way to answer this question. Multiple things. Uh, Because I realize that this is, more than just being difficult, this can make people angry. The first thing I want to say, though, and please, this is not the only thing I'm going to say. This is not the last thing I'm going to say. But with the challenge of Matthew 7 and verse 12 in mind and us treating others the way that we want to be treated, here's the question that I think we have to ask ourselves. How quickly and how often do we want to be forgiven? And please don't misunderstand me because I'm not trying to play that as some kind of trump card in a game. I say that and I ask that because that's what I have to ask myself when I'm in these situations. And really, what this underlines for me more than anything is the reality that we need to be committed to forgiveness. I don't know if that's something we ever really think about. Now, having said that, there are two things that I want to talk about when it comes to forgiveness. Two other things. And I think uh, as a way to answer this question, when do we forgive? It's an appropriate place to talk about them. Because uh, I want to talk about one thing that forgiveness is not. One thing that forgiveness is not. And then I want to talk about one thing that forgiveness is. And hopefully when we understand a little bit more about what it's not and what it is you can understand where some motivation to do this comes from. At the beginning of our time together, I I quoted C.S. Lewis. He talked about the difficulties that come with our call to love our neighbors because underneath that umbrella of neighbor means loving our enemies. And later on in that chapter, he expands on this in a way that I think helps us understand, like I said, what forgiveness is not. So just listen as I read. He says, loving my enemy does not apparently mean thinking them nice. That is an enormous relief. For a good many people imagine that forgiving your enemies means making out that they are really not such bad fellows after all, when it is quite plain that they are. You see, forgiveness is not pretending that everything is okay. There has been a wrong committed damage has been done and even though we're called to forgive that doesn't mean that there are no consequences it doesn't mean that there is no punishment you know we can forgive people we can forgive a person for what they have done against us but that doesn't mean that we have to grant them the same access to our lives that they once had it does not mean that we have to move forward and just pretend like nothing ever happened Hopefully, if you've ever thought that, you can breathe a bit of a sigh of relief. But again, having said that, now I want to talk about one of the things that forgiveness is. I really believe this is one of the most important things we need to understand. Forgiveness is freeing. It's freeing. Now will say it like this. Forgiveness has the power to set you free. When we forgive someone, what we're doing is we're saying, I'm not going to carry this debt you owe me around anymore. And that's important. I would say it's really vital because what can happen and what does happen a lot of the time is this. We are sinned against. There is a very real and legitimate offense committed against us. But we hold on to our forgiveness because we're so angry at what has happened. And this offense turns into baggage that we carry around with us everywhere we go. And over time, it weighs us down in every single part of our life. And eventually that baggage, it turns into bitterness. And when that happens, that bitterness will destroy you. Emotionally, spiritually, physically, it will eat you up from the inside. There's a a phrase I've heard, I, I don't know who said it originally, but it basically goes like this. Bitterness is the poison that you drink hoping the other person will drop dead. And listen, I'm not saying this is easy. And even though I say, yeah, we should try to forgive as quickly as we can, that doesn't mean that it won't take time. But if we hold on to our forgiveness... The truth is we're never going to be free of what was done to us because whatever the hurt, whatever the wrong, whatever the sin that was committed against us was, it will always have power over us because it will always be with us. It will always be this thing in our lives weighing us down and holding us back. In Mark chapter 11, there's this kind of, uh, I would just say, kind of a weird story where Jesus and the disciples... They're headed toward Jerusalem, and Jesus sees this fig tree on the side of the road, and he's hungry, so he goes to the fig tree because he wants something to eat. Uh, But there are no figs. And so what Jesus does is he curses the tree. May no one ever eat fruit from you again, is what he says. They go into Jerusalem, spend the day there, go out again, spend the night, and then on their way the next day, they pass by the same tree. Only this time, it's all withered up overnight. Overnight. Peter sees this and, of course, he's amazed because he remembers what happened. He remembers what Jesus said. And this is where Jesus says those familiar words. He says, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to the mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You know, it's one of those passages those stories where you read this and you're just like wow you know this is incredible Jesus is talking about the the power of our faith the power of our prayer he uses this honestly unbelievable example of a mountain being picked up and thrown into the sea but then you get to verse 25 mark 11 verse 25 and he says and when you stand praying if you hold anything against anyone forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. By your faith, you can do this. When you pray, you can do this. But before you do that, if you're holding on to whatever, you have to forgive it. We can't hold on to our forgiveness because when we do, it holds us back and ultimately it just hurts us, not the person who hurt us. I know that's difficult and it's hard, but it's—it's the truth. I mean, when I look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, what I see is is a man who aggressively wanted to forgive people of their sins. Does that describe anyone that you know? Someone who aggressively wants to forgive. I mean, I don't know how else you can describe someone who lived the way Jesus lived, preached the way he preached, and then died the death that he died. He died for us when we were still his enemies. That's what the Bible says. Okay, one last question to answer. Why do we forgive? When do we forgive? The last question we need to wrestle with. How do we forgive? How do we forgive? Well, this is the answer. We forgive like Jesus. We forgive like Jesus. And listen, if you think that that just is some kind of pithy sort of Sunday school answer, I want you to understand that the truth is this can be painful And I honestly think it's the hardest thing that we've talked about so far. Because think about this, you know, how did Jesus ultimately forgive us of our sins? We suffered and he died. Because here's the reality that we have to come to terms with. And it's why I believe so many people hold on to their forgiveness. To truly forgive someone the way that Jesus did is in a way... To suffer. We suffer first whatever the offense was that was committed against us. The, the sin, the crime, the, the hurt, the insult. You know, whatever it was. We suffer that. And then when we choose to forgive, to truly forgive like Jesus. Then we suffer the loss of whatever restitution there could have been. Because we're canceling the debt that someone owes us. And we lose out on that. We're letting go of it. And listen, this can look like different things in different people's lives. I said earlier that, you know, just because we forgive someone doesn't mean that there aren't any consequences. For example, let's say someone steals some money from you. Well, they may pay you back. But what you're doing when you choose to forgive like Jesus is you're letting go of the ability to hold it over their heads for the rest of their life. You're losing the ability. You're letting go of the ability to talk bad about them, to talk down to them. There are lots of people who say that they forgive someone and then they spend the rest of their life reminding that person that they've forgiven them and they just hold it over their head time and again. But that's not grace. That's not graciousness. That's not what we see in Jesus when he forgives and that's not the kind of forgiveness that he calls us to. I want you to listen closely. This is what Jesus did for us. He suffered our sins, our crimes, the things that we did wrong against God. He suffered those as God. And then on the cross, He suffered the penalty, the punishment for those things that we did. He suffered twice over. But then what happened? What happened after He died on the cross for our sins? He rose again to a brand new life, a better life. And listen, when you and I choose to forgive, when we truly choose to forgive like Jesus, it can be difficult and it can even be painful. But the truth is, it can lead to a whole new life. And I'm not just saying that. A brand new life. I have a quote by Tim Keller written on a post-it note in my office. It's right next to my computer so I see it every day. He says, Forgiveness is granted before it is felt. If you don't do it, then you'll never feel it. And if you wait until you feel it, then you'll never do it. There's a great story in Mark, chapter 2, where Jesus heals this paralytic man. It's one of the most familiar stories in the gospel. Jesus is in Galilee, and he's at this house, and there's so many people crowded around that basically no one can get in or out. But there are four friends, and they have this other friend who's paralyzed, and they're, they're trying to think of a way to get him to Jesus. And so they come up with this ingenious plan of just ripping a hole in the roof. They lower their paralyzed friend down in front of Jesus because they want him to heal him. What does Jesus do? What is the first thing that Jesus says? He looks at the man and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know what went through the paralyzed man's mind. I don't know what went through the mind of his friends when jesus said that you know one of the things we read about in the gospels is the reaction of the religious leaders and the pharisees that were there but when i think about those five men involved in this story i don't think that it's too far-fetched to imagine it was kind of just a shock and a surprise you know kind of like well that's great but that's not why we brought him here to you, Jesus. There's a, there's a much more obvious and a much more immediate issue that we would like you to help us with right now. But what Jesus is saying when he looks at this man and forgives him of his sins is, no, there's not. There's nothing more immediate, more important than the need for forgiveness. Forgiveness. A lot of times people will think, I, I can't forgive someone yet, or I, just, I need to work through this or that, or I need to wait until I have this taken care of. There's nothing more important than forgiveness. It's not always easy. It's not always quick. There are times when it is long, it is difficult, and it is painful. But I would challenge you, the way that I'm challenging myself, to resolve this year to forgive others, to forgive others the way that Jesus forgave. When we do that, when we do that, we give the opportunity for a new life and we get the opportunity for a new life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the fact that you lead by example when it comes to forgiveness. This is not something that happens after the fact. This is, this is what you are about. Help us to be committed to forgiveness. Please challenge and convict our hearts. Help us to see what we've been holding on to. And help us to recognize how this has held us back. Help us to forgive the way that we want to be forgiven. And the way that you forgave. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.